This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Guido's Pizza. Located on International Airport Road in Anchorage, Guido's has been serving the best pizza, pasta, sandwiches, and more since 1984. Guido's is open daily for dine-in service from 11 a.m. to midnight, and they do takeout and delivery until 2 a.m. Whether I'm dining in a Guido's or ordering for delivery, the hardest part for me is always choosing what to get because they have so many amazing items on their menu. If you're looking for a quick bite or want to order food for a big party, Guido's is the place to go. Tell them Jeff from the Landmine sent you. Okay, back here in studio with uh, Mark Begich. How you doing? Former yeah. mayor, former senator. Former everything. <laughs> you, got a lot, you got a lot of accolades or yeah. check, check marks. Good to see you. End of the year's here. You came on last year at the end of the year. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of becoming a tradition. We Did I make any predictions? I got to make sure. Probably oh, not. Boy, I, I try and, not to. I should have gone back and listened. <laughs> I didn't do that. I try not to make predictions. Well, um, I want to talk to you about some of the stuff that's gone on this year here in Alaska. But first, yep. I want to say that you have the Northern Compass Group, which is, I guess, is it consulting or lobbying? Or it, it's consulting group. We have, um, it's also kind of an incubator of other opportunities and businesses and businesses that I spin off. Um, you know, the hotel, for example, we're redeveloping downtown. Some Aviator. Aviator. Um, we also have some uh, projects in Nevada and New Mexico, which are hot springs resorts, which would be perfect right now in this cold weather. Uh, but we also—that's cold. cold this morning. Because we were talking a, a while ago about this, um, the Hamas, right? Right. New Mexico. That's where yeah. I grew up right near there, about yeah. an hour and a half away. Yeah, it's a great. So Northern Compass Group does a lot of work with uh, s- folks in the state, but also around the country, and then we. Um, have business people that come to us with ideas and sometimes we'll partner with them or we'll give them advice. And so it's a, it's very active to say the least. And you have a lot of your staff now at Northern Compass were with you when you were a Senator, right? It's a mix, you know, uh, Shauna Toma, who was with me. Um, Love Shauna. Yep. She started with me when I was mayor. So she's been an indentured servant for 20 years. Wow. <laughs> so she's still there somehow. She's, 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 riding, she's riding the ship. Uh, yeah, she's riding. Then, of course, Rachel, uh, who's been with me from the Senate, uh, Claire. Uh, Katie is new. Um, she's been with us a little over a year. Uh, Michelle, who uh, at our holiday party was doing the music also. She's She plays in town oh, in yeah. different places, and mm-hmm. she works with us. Uh, managing uh you know elements of the business so it's it's a it's a pretty busy group there no i gotta say i somehow got ended up on the invite list for your holiday party i don't know uh, maybe you it was, probably bootlegged it or maybe something it was an accident but <laughs> i went last year and it was yeah. a nice downtown at your office nice party it was a good turnout yeah this year i went and i don't know what you did but it was like totally packed I mean, hundreds of people that made uh, you know, Democrats, but then the mayor Bronson was there. Some other, I mean, it was a big mix of uh, Democrats, yep. Republicans, independents, uh, political, non-political. I mean, it was hundreds of, it was a good party. Yeah. We, had, you know, a lot of the folks you saw, I mean, you, for and it's across, you know, uh, a cross group of people, you know, you saw, um, like you said, the mayor there, you saw assembly members there, mm-hmm. you saw, uh, Democrats, Republicans, independents, uh, my banker, one of my bankers was there, a president of the bank, uh, as an example, but the guy who also does all our plumbing work was there. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a wide range of folks that we invite to say thanks for the year. They helped us um, be successful in 
a lot of our businesses and some are personal friends, obviously. And uh, it, it was an interesting group. And it just kind of shows the expansion of work um, that we're doing by the amount of people that were there and, and investors who invest in a lot of our projects. I saw my buddy Leslie Rydell there, former commissioner. And yep. She, she, she runs, worked for you, right? Yep, she does now. Again, we took her from Girl Scouts. Uh, she came over and um, started working for us, running our projects that deal with um, the homeless population. You know, we uh, property manage the uh, Lakeshore, the Barrett, and uh, a couple other properties in the Anchorage area and manage about 300 housing units. So she kind of manages that, takes care of that. So yeah, we, she came back, she defaulted back to us. She walked in the wrong door one day, and I said, I love hired. her. She, she was a administ- uh, commissioner of administration. Commissioner of administration. Worked for me as deputy mm-hmm. chief in the Senate. Worked and for she, me. She's got a real interesting history. I mean, she, I think, ran Tony Knowles' campaign That's back right. in like the in, in 90s, and right. she's been around a long time in pol- yeah, politics. She, she's originally, I think, a seventh or eighth grade teacher, uh, and mm-hmm. then decided she uh, went to high school with my uh, wife, and so they know each other from a long time ago. Yeah, wow. so small world. And your, your wife has the Kobuck, right? The Kobuck, which, which and, I love, and there's some places in the airport, and a couple of stores in the airport, and of course, right around now, holiday season, the Kobuck is very busy, very unique. And if you haven't had a donut there, you should. It's good <laughs> it's donuts, the best donuts. Yeah. I, I, uh, I top kinda, ten in the top twelve, and one of the top twelve in the nation. I kind of learned my lesson um, for Thanksgiving. I flew down to Florida. My my aunt lives down there, cousins and cousins' kids, and I went down yeah. for Thanksgiving and. I was like, oh, I didn't get the kids any presents, so I was like, I better get you know get something for them. And I was at the airport, go and, back to go, <laughs> and, and I went to different stores and bought like a sweater and a shirt, and yeah, and oh boy, you uh, you pay a little premium there at the airport on some, but it's good stuff. Yeah, they, they got they, some good presents for them: some Alaska you, shirts, Alaska hoodie, and then like a a book and some calendar, just some you know, yeah, a, a cool mug. They do a lot of uh, the stores there that Deborah has. She does a lot of good merchandising. Um, you can thank the airport for the cost; um, it's not cheap having that real, real estate I, I, there. I've looked at doing stuff. There, it's expensive adver- out there. Like basic advertising. And um, I guess there's a lot of demand there because they, they charge, they don't, they aren't shy to charge a nice price. That's right. They're, they're aggressive about it, but you know, you got a kind of a great audience there people, especially on holiday season. And you know, the Kobuck has a thing there also called Kobuck to go. So mm-hmm. they have some of the donuts there just in case you miss it. I can't even imagine what some of those stores do in summertime. Yeah, summer is busy, but like you know, come right now after January one, you've been through the airport in January. It's a little bit of a ghost town. I used to have a little re- years ago retail business uh, back in two thousand eight, nine, ten. Uh, my friend and I were in Las Vegas, and we saw you know those wind spinner things like you hang them outside. They're metal, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The light reflects off them. So yep. we saw we saw those in a mall in Vegas and. 2007 and I go what the hell what are those we never saw them before and <laughs> so we, we were like this is maybe a good business and we found a supplier in China bought a bunch eventually did some Alaska designs but I tell you what I learned the first almost year of that I learned where not to go you don't go to the Fifth Avenue Mall in January through May you mm-hmm. don't go to the Northway Mall same time you know you don't so what we figured out eventually was you go to the State Fair yeah yeah you art go, shows. You, you go to the art, the, 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 Fairbanks, the, the craft shows in, in Fairbanks and Anchorage. Yep. Uh, and you Valley can do Fair. really weird. Mm-hmm. You can do really well. Yep. But you don't go to these like mall places or places in the, you know, winter when I mean, you pay, you know, a monthly fee, but you, you barely break an even. Yeah. There's no one there. And, and it's, it's a different, you know, nowadays I have to say the season, the tourist season has changed. You know, now 
ships are coming earlier. Uh, they're coming at the end of April, uh, which is great. They're staying till the end of September. Well, which some is of the great. ships, some of the ships, and I think it's uh, Skagway. The last ship was coming in October. Now. Right. I mean, they're they're staying real. I mean, so, a few of them are staying much. You know, they're trying to maximize. I guess you know the the, the usage of the, money. The high demand. The the demand of the customer for Alaska has increased probably in the last ten years significantly to the point where they got to extend the season because they don't have enough space. Now the, now the Travel Industry Association just came out with a. You see the study they did? It's a, I haven't seen it yet. It's gonna. You're gonna see that in the political report on oh, Thursday. Good. We're gonna have a little write up on that, but. Uh, it shows, you know, numbers have recuperated or kind of re- rebounded since COVID and before, you know, 2020. But the interesting thing, um, the independent travelers have gone way up. We love the independent travelers. You know, not the crews, but people fly, fly up on their right. own. They do whatever they're going to do, rent a car, you know, rent an RV. Independent travelers are um, unique in many ways because they're, one, they stay longer. They spend more money and they use Anchorage kind of like their base place, right? They may be here for a couple of days and they go maybe to... Denali on the train, come back. Then they go south to, you know, Seward or Kenai or Homer. It's a it's an interesting uh, travel uh, individual. And you know, one of the things we're doing, as you know, we're redeveloping a pretty rundown hotel downtown. It's going to be two hundred fifty plus rooms. It's going to be a boutique hotel. And independent travelers like hotels mm-hmm. like that. And we don't have that that kind of product in downtown at all. And so this will be an interesting place. Here's a question maybe you can answer. And I've, I've asked people this before and I, I don't really understand it. It seems like there's so many hotels every month. There's a new hotel. It seems like going at midtown, there's all these hotels and even downtown. And it just seems like, I guess, is it, is it three or four months of business is enough to make them? No, it depends where you're located. Now downtown hasn't had a major hotel built in 20 plus years. Marriott was the last one. Okay. So down down has kind of suffered without the product in essence. They have a couple little ones. You had the that little Hilton that was built in the Aspen, but they really not much more has been built downtown. Um, in Midtown, you know, you kind of have what I call Hotel Alley, which is over like there C by Street. Yeah, yeah, C Street. Those seem to pop up. Those are kind of those visitors that are coming that don't want to spend a lot of room on a hotel because they want to kind of be out all the time. They're just using it to sleep and they're out vacationing. But the season does stretch out. And then as you move into October through about January, you end up with um, kind of that holiday and conferences come into Anchorage mm-hmm. from around the state. And then you end up kind of end of January, first part of February, really yeah, slow. Like, uh, like AFN or RDC. AFN, or... there's a lot of other, you'd be amazed how many conferences, engineering conferences, building conferences, all kinds of stuff are occurring. So they're renting these smaller conference rooms, you know, 100, 200, 300 people, then they want beds to go with it. Um, unions have their shop steward con- conferences, things like that. And then um, you hit February now, end of February, you in the the winter carnival for Rondi, Adirondack. Yeah. That's a three week, three and a half week spread. And then you have visitors who come maybe toward the end, like a Adirondack time, and they come for that weekend. They say, "I'll say that next week afterwards," because it's not as busy. I've, I've I've had friends up before, and I've checked, I've checked on hotels around that time. It's hard. You can't. Find, I mean. I'm not joking. You cannot find a room. Yeah, no. There, there's, there's. If you look on, look at a dinner weekend and just look on the uh, Expedia or whatever, you cannot Booked find out. a room in Anchorage or even Girdwood. Yeah, we're we're not to uh, promote my hotel again, but we're trying to get 60 rooms open in a limited lobby by February 15th because the windows on the Fourth Avenue oh, side. They face the- 
they're right there. You see the dogs that, that race that, out of that, your. That's that good. Re, that's that good kind of. Yeah, you real sit, estate. Yeah, you sit there and you get to look out and watch the dog sleds from the comfort of your inside of your hotel room and the way we've designed it. It actually has like a living space there. That's like you know Vegas just had the uh, Formula One. Oh, I know. And I was I was down the right right before it, and it's it's kind of bizarre. They put up this like mesh, opaque mesh on the bridges, so like God forbid the peasants get a glimpse, you know, right. of the of the race, but. I mean, they're charging big money, thousands of dollars, ten thousand for a ticket of. But it's crazy. But some of the hotels with a good view would yeah. charge like fifteen thousand dollars for the weekend, right? Yeah. To, I mean, it's just, especially I don't for know who, the rooms that face the right location, mm-hmm, right. the right corner. Yeah. I don't know who has this kind of money, but I mean, there's people have it. You know, it's 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 amazing how much if you look at a lot of the economic reports, how much disposable income, but also how much cash there is for like businesses that have not put money back in because the market is up and down. Interest rates are, we're up now. They're maybe coming down next year. It, it's amazing. You know, watching what's how people spend money. Whenever I go to Vegas and I go, I try to go a couple times a year with friends and play poker. Yeah. Some of the tournaments, but you always see, especially if you go to like Bellagio or some of the nicer ones, you'll see these kind of like Saudi or oh. these, you know, these foreign people. And they're, I mean, they're playing like Sometimes you joke about trying to find a $25 table. I mean, you go to some of these casinos when it's, like, hot with some of these people. I mean, you're, yeah, you're there looking no at, like, $100 tables. Yeah, there's no $25 tables when they're playing. We went to we were there a few weeks ago with some friends, and we went to this place called Ellis Island. You ever heard of that? I've heard of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. like, this off-strip, kind yeah, of yeah. more local, and it's, like, $5, $10 blackjack, $10 yeah. craps, and they have this restaurant that looks kind of, like, almost like a village inn, but they have really, <laughs> really good, I mean, like, really? great food. $20, $25 prime rib. I mean, I gotta, they're, losing, they're losing money on the I gotta food go to get there. people to... You know, under the is casino. it in the old city or it's old right part? By the, it's right by the sphere. Oh, okay, I know it's, exactly it's where right that is. It's right off the strip, and it's called. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's voted like, like you know, most best place for locals for many years. And wow. it's like it's like it's a weird little. It's kind of an odd place, <laughs> but it's cheap. It's but ten- you know, back in the day, Bailey uh, Molly's used to be off the strip, mm-hmm. and now it's like dead center. You know, Caesars used to be at the end of the strip. In the yeah, years you know, here, gone by. Here's something I want to run by you. So I was just down there. My buddy has a place, uh, like a timeshare deal, this place called Polo Tower. And it's mm-hmm. right by the MGM, and it's we stay there a lot with my buddy. Um, and right, right next to it, they've started, I went there this summer, and they're doing a building project, a big mall. And they were tearing everything up, and also the Formula One. And I went back there like a few weeks ago. Mark, it's like, it's almost done. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we can't seem to build much here. Yeah. And I mean, in Vegas, it just, I don't know, maybe it's they, the friend, friendly government because they know it's kind of how people yeah. come down there. But it's amazing. They're all, they're already almost finished with this huge multi story steel. I mean, it's, it's probably here's what half I built. Yeah. Here's what I think. You got two different things going on. One, part of the building of a project, you spend a lot of time getting the financing, banks and all that stuff. In Vegas, it's kind of like, you know, when you're building a project like that, you're already, your financing's pretty much lined up. So it shaves off a lot of time. The contractors down there also build on Vegas Strip. So they understand what has to be done there. I also think, you know, frankly, you know, because we do building here, you know, we've done three projects in the last couple of years here. We got two more major ones going on. We don't have an issue with working with the building safety department here, but I will tell you there are some contractors who spend more time complaining than doing, and because they, you know, because they maybe cut some corners, didn't do the work they should have done, or or even do like what we do. We bring inspectors down before we do the project to kind of explain what we're going to do to understand what they might be looking for, what things they're concerned about. 
But contractors sometimes are fearful of the building inspectors because they're not sure. Well, some of these building inspectors, they're tough. But you know what? You work with them. You sit down. You try to figure out what the issue is. And then you work to resolve it. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have the issue. But I will tell you, I've met the builders and contractors that all they do is complain. And so I, I don't have really a lot of sympathy, frankly, mm-hmm. for them. Um, you know, we're doing we're taking a building that's 40-plus years old, renovating it, which is a tough job to do. Which one is that? That's the hotel. I mean, that's the old. Aviator yeah. One? And then next door, we we have purchased with a group of investors the old post office mall, which is the blue build, big blue building next to the yellow Sunshine Mall. Right? That's where that's where uh, KONR used to be when I used to have my long, long time ago. Oh, yeah. I did a radio well, show there. That's uh, where you yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that that's a place that, you know, is old also, but we're renovating to a mixed use development and we're working hand in hand with the building department, you know, I'm not going to say they're easy. They're tough. But if you work with them and communicate with them, you can get a lot done. But if you sit there and complain about everything, well, they're going to, you know, or you cut corners. First mm-hmm. time out you do that, they're going to be checking everything. You know, do it right. Don't complain. Get your job done. Well, I have a friend who's, a, they're, they're, they have a pretty decent sized company and, and they're been doing it a long time. And, and, you know, I've talked to my friend about it and he's like, look, I know the people there. I know what to do. Like, you know, How they, to they work know me. With them. Yeah. Um, he was saying sometimes though he feels bad for people that might not be doing as much and they come in and they just don't know what, you know, they feel like it's overwhelming for a new person or somebody who's maybe just starting out. Whereas if you're, if you, you know, if you've been around, if you've kind of experienced, you kind of know the process, you know who to deal with and you know how to get, get the stuff done. You, you have to spend the time. I mean, but I will tell you, like, for example, I got a demolition permit here on the hotel. We got it in, you know, a week or so or less, I think it was a few days. In Carson City, where we do a project, we're doing a project. We've been doing projects there for Cap- some time. Capital of Nevada. The capital. And uh, all we want to do is tear down this old building that was time to go, a small one-story, six-unit uh, wood frame. It took us three months to get the demo permit. We're just tearing it down. Mm-hmm. We're not, like, doing anything more than that. And it took three months in a city that is small enough that, you know, you know everybody to talk to about it, and they they – go through this process just the documentation was overwhelming it reminds me of that northern lights hotel that stood there for oh forever t- decade i don't know 15 years or more i think right. but that was because the people who had that used to own the aces yeah and they didn't want to knock it down because it cost them money and they'd rather have it you know falling apart now, earlier you mentioned uh the taurus i was going to ask you um why has anchorage never and i guess do you support this have like a seasonal exclusionary sales tax it seems like I mean, Sitka, Skagway, June, they all have these, you know. I've supported a sales tax when I was on the assembly. And so it's not new to me. And, and the reason why, as long as you do things like this, exempt health care medical, exempt uh, basic food, not prepared food. So like you're going out to eat. But if you're buying bread, milk, basic mm-hmm. stuff. And then um, you have some other things like rent and certain basic living things. Like in D.C., you pay a housing a tax to sell your house on top of the other stuff you pay, which is ridiculous. But I think if you exempt those, then what it does, despite my good liberal friends, they're they're wrong about this. It is not regressive. That's because, what they, that's what they, in legislature oh, or it's bullshit. In the assembly, they Oops, always— I probably shouldn't have said that. You can say what you Okay, because it's not true. Because if you exempt, if you look at a— a, a middle income to lower income family, especially lower income, the proportion of the money they spend on medical, food, housing is is higher percentage mm-hmm. of the total. 
So therefore, if you exempt those, it actually exempts a majority of their cost and the money they're spending. Now, people like you and me that might go out to Eddie's Sports Bar, I'll do a little promotion for you. <laughs> love we, Eddie's. We, big, I know you love it. That. We, we've been we've there been many there, times. Right. But you know, if we're going out there and we can afford to go there, then you pay a tax. Like when the alcohol tax passed, people complained, oh my God, gonna, I'm not going to buy. Oh no. Actually, alcohol sales I, I just bought, <laughs> have uh, gone up. I gave some alcohol gifts for some people and yeah. I went to... And I said, oh, yeah, I forgot about the, you know, it was whatever it was, and it was added a little bit, but it didn't, it didn't stop me from buying it. Exactly. So you can make the tax very, uh, le- I don't know what the right term is, as not as regressive as people think if you exempt basic goods that people so, so buy. So if you did that in Anchorage, would I mean, would, would some of that offset property tax? I would do that. Like par- par- yeah, portion I would. of it offsets property tax and then... There's also some extra revenue. Yeah, I would do half of the property or half of it at least go to property tax relief because property taxes, we are in the top 25% when it comes to just property taxes. Oh, we're really high. We're really high compared to the rest of the country. So let's offset that, especially with consumers who are coming in, right? The people are coming into Anchorage who are visitors somewhat laugh at us that we don't have this. I hear that all the time. All the time. So let's, you know, kind of the chill coot charge program, right? You know, we'll take a little <laughs> bit of their money. Um, but I think it's a, we'll, we'll screw the other guy and pass on the same, same thing to you. <laughs> right. Another guy happened to be the tourist. No disrespect. I'm in the visitor industry business. I like them. But um, if we can do that and then offset property taxes, people, this one proposal that's proposed, I think the AEDC has supported, some others have supported. I think it probably in 2025 they may put on the ballot. Um, that would probably reduce property taxes. Think about this, 15%, 20%. Well, well, think about it, too, all the people from the Valley or other parts of the state who come to Anchorage to buy stuff. Right. And they pay taxes. Use our roads, you know, use our... And then leave... And we get the bill. And we, and we yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's, because I mean, the Valley has a sales tax. That's right. You know, Matt, P- a lot Paul of small Moasilla. communities do. A lot of small communities do because that's their revenue stream. So, it, does, it doesn't have to be high. It could be a few, three, four percent. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. And then you can put a cap on it. And, you know, if it has to be renewed every few years or whatever. But the idea of having that, and I would probably do it in a couple. One, property tax relief. And I'd also try to put some money aside that would be, available for road improvements in this town. The roads are, like, after this winter, they're going to be awful. The construction. I mean, you, you probably came over here, you know, uh, Tudor and Lake Otis. Yeah. It's it's not four lanes. It's three It's it's, it's three lanes. It's one and a half on two, each side. Yeah, I was going to say it's two and a half, one and a half. It's, it's, not, it's dangerous. My, my road, uh, Sylvan, off of Old Seward, yeah. is down to kind of, I mean, if two cars are coming, you're going to have to get, you're going to squeeze real tight or almost kind of pull over. That's right. You know, and I, some of these side roads, especially if I was. Oh, the neighborhood last, roads are awful. They're, 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 they're literally one lane. Yeah. And if, especially if you go to a place that a neighborhood that didn't have curb and gutter and sidewalk, it's worse because there's no definition. Now, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong here, but um, when I, I moved to 2004 and, and I remember vividly, like, I, you know, New Mexico, we get snow, it's melt, melting the next day. Right. It would snow like a lot, like a foot. Yeah. You know, whatever, two two feet over the you know course of a couple of days. The roads were like plowed. Is this I, a softball question? Because see, I was mayor then. You were mayor then. But 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 even when Sullivan was mayor, I don't remember this stuff really starting, I feel like twenty fifteen time. And that's when the price of oil went down and there was big deficits. And I wonder if that was the reason I, I, some of this started. Because it didn't used to be like this. Well, I don't think we pay our snow plower operators enough we don't frankly. no no we don't and, and we have less we have less now than we did when yeah, you were mayor that's with right more roads that's right and in the way plowing roads is all mathematical you have so many lane miles 
You plow them in so much time based on so much equipment. And it's almost like no one's done the math and said, okay, in order to plow this many roads plus these new roads, lane miles, we need this much more equipment. And then when you do that, that's what we did. You know, every time, and think about this. When you came, you said 2004. I moved here in August 04. Okay. That was the year. There was no sidewalk snow plowing before then. We actually put the snow plows. We, we bought these, this guy, Ski, who worked for me over in street maintenance. He was great. He, he gave, I gave him an idea, and he said, let me look at it. He came back because we were buying the equipment in the summer, so we got a great price on it. That was the first time the city actually purchased equipment to plow those sidewalks. And that's where you see those tractors. Those tiny things with like the, 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 the really fast brush. Yeah, like you don't want, not the brushes only, but then there's the, the grinders. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to get near those grinders in the front. But those things now make a big difference. But you can tell the difference between city and state roads. There's no two ways about it. And now the state ones are fast plows, which means they're, they don't spend a lot of time on the sidewalks, which is dangerous. People are walking and getting... Well, there's so many know. roads now. I mean, even Tudor right here where I'm by the my state. office, there, mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no sidewalk right now. Right. There's no sidewalk. There is one. You just don't see it. You can't use it. <laughs> you can't use it. So yeah. I mean, I'm seeing people, like last night I, was, I went to get some... some uh, I was going to friends for dinner, and, and there was a guy getting some... some like, he was pulling out, and he was getting a can of gasoline, and he was... I think his car must have broken down, and he was there was no sidewalk in Old Seward. Yeah, so he's very walking dangerous. down Old Seward, which you know there's cars coming and going. I people mean, I are going to give the guy a ride. Yeah, people going to get hit, and you know someone someday is going to sue the state or the city for neglect, knowingly neglecting the maintenance of the roads. What's happened in some cases, you know, they if there's basic things you do in a city like Anchorage or a state like Alaska, is you're going to have public safety, health and get this street maintenance because that's kind of your core. You have lots of other stuff, but these are like, especially in a city, this is what you do. You, you, you're a winter city. You got to plow it and move it and haul well, it. Well, what I've said many times is, is twice we were the, the pick for the winter Olympics mm -hmm. in the nineties. <laughs> and you know, I have those Byron birds all yeah, in yeah. my house posters that I found one day in a, like a secondhand shop. But yeah, I got real lucky on those, but you know, it's like, that says it all. We were, Gonna host. I, mean, you, I don't think we could do it today. They can't do it today. If people came here. Because if you get a snowfall, well, also the other challenge is when you get too much snowfall and you don't have enough plowers to move the snow, schools close, which means there's economic and, well, impacts education. But then the next thing it does is then people have to stay home because they can't. Yep, 100%. You know, it becomes an economic impact. I was. Uh, I just bought some furniture for my Juno office at uh I'll give a shout out to Scan Home. Yeah. The, um, Ryan Bink, the Binkleys bought it. Yeah. And I got some, and they had a little bit of a sale and we did a little bit of a trade on advertising. Anyways, I went over there, bought some really nice stuff, a desk and a table, and I'm going to take you to Juno. But I went back in one of the big snowstorms to go Pick check, up. check, well, just to check on the last thing and some dimensions and measurements. And I, I went there like five o'clock and it was when it was one of those really bad snow deals in November. And I walk in and I said, how's it, you know, how's it going? And they said, you're the first person who's walked in the door today. Wow. See, that's. So think about that it has an on all these businesses and mm -hmm. all these people, stay, parents staying home and not going to work and Im impact on retail. It's probably in the millions of millions of tens of well, millions of dollars. And again, snow plowing is mathematical. So many lane miles, a plow plows so many lane miles per hour, per day. You need so many drivers, so many pieces of equipment. Do the math, figure it out, get the well, resource. What, what, what do you think? I mean... The airport, we talked about this in our, our town hall. You know, I talked to the guys at the airport. They, last year, uh, increased wages by 30% because I'm sure they saw yeah. this problem coming. 
What what is is it just as simple as, as workers and wages and equipment? No, because- it's a combination of things. I think first off, you should you got to increase the wages in order to attract people. Second, and we and the city has great benefits, you know, retirement benefits, vacation, all that stuff. So you you figure that out. The second thing you need to do, and this is where the city and I've talked to folks in the city about this. I said, look, quit thinking about you got to get all these contractors to do the plowing because here's what happens: the snow hits on a heavy day. And those contractors, you call them up and say, hey, you know, come on over, bring your equipment. We need these roads done or whatever. And here's what they'll tell you. Such and such machinery is broken down or no, we can't. We're already on a site. Well, then you lose three, four, five days. Critical time, mm-hmm. the beginning. Forget that idea. That's the old school. That's how they've been doing it and it doesn't work. And what you should do is say, look, we're going to buy the equipment. And you need extra equipment anyway to rotate in so you never have downtime. So maybe 20% of the equipment, you have it set aside, and you contract with the drivers. And here's why. They have no excuses then. And you give them a bonus. You say, we're going to put you on retainer for this winter months. I love this idea. Right. I like this. you get so much per month. And if you don't come when we call you, you don't get it. You're out. You're out. You don't get it. You don't get paid until the end, that special retainer. But if we don't have any snowfall, but you've always been available when we call you, you get the retainer. But when you come, you just show up. The equipment is in the warehouse, in the garage, warmed up, city-owned. You jump in and go plow. Because when you're depending on these small contractors or even larger ones that have their equipment ready for you, who pays the least compared to, you know, Diamond Mall, who needs their thing done, mm-hmm. or Cars, or Safeway, whatever, Fred Meyer. So that's what you do. It's a reversal of the old thinking. Don't bank on their equipment. Bank on your equipment. I mean, so, so I just heard recently from one of the union guys that the city doesn't really even own equipment. Doesn't some third party own this? Well, some? they they do own it. It's a, it's a way they finance it, and, okay. and it's basically at the end, it's a dollar, and you get it. And it's basically instead of always going out and getting bonds for equipment, you do this kind of financing. Computer equipment's done that way. Certain types of equipment, large, expensive tractors, are done that way. But the way I would probably do it is I just float a bond to purchase this equipment one time. Because the other thing you want to have is let's say you got 100% of your equipment on the road. Well, more than likely, something's going to break well, down. When I went to the DOT, I was blowing everybody up, and DOT reached out to me and said, Hey, come, we want to have you come over and tr- See show the, the operation. Yep. And we only have eight graders for the state, for the city. Two were broken. Right. Like when I was out there, two were just, and, and then I said, well, what about, you know, there's a mechanic shop, and I, and I go, what about mechanics? And the guy started laughing. He's like, you think we're having a hard time finding drivers? Like, mechanics are a whole different lot. And this guy was telling me that a friend of his works on the slope, didn't want to work on the slope anymore, was kind of done doing the slope thing. So commercial CDL driver, experienced. And, and he goes, are you guys hiring? Yeah, we'll hire you. It's, you know, whatever, 25 an hour starting. The guy's like, I'm getting offered 50 You can go over hour. here to U-Haul and just work in their front counter for 20 bucks an hour. Yeah, I, I mean, this is... This is like wild to me that we're, yeah. the wages are so low. We're, we're, you know, we're, and I'd say we collectively, because as citizens, we accept this to a certain level by not pushing the envelope harder. And that is we're willing to be cheap for the benefit of our discomfort. <laughs> you know, we're kind of like out there, like we hate the roads, we hate this, but then we don't want to pay more. Pay them more. Roads will be great. Schools will be open. You don't have to worry about daycare. Have you ever you know, seen in your time as mayor on, on the assembly 
schools closed for five days in a row, Not 10 in days a row. in a row? No, no. Last year, December, 10 days in a row? Yeah. Or nine, this year, five? Here, here's the other thing I would do, too, and it's different. You know, you, we have, I forget how many school sites around uh, the, the city, but, you know, elementary schools, I think, are roughly 10 to 15 acres. High schools are 30 to 50 acres. If you're, and what I would, in a snowstorm like this, when you're closing the schools, what you do, I think, is when you're plowing and removing snow, you are now going to acquire the school sites as snow dump sites. Not on the parking lots, but all that acreage that is sitting there. You figure it out because why they're well, strategically like, located. Yeah. And what you do to the school district, and you know, you, as the mayor, they could do this and the city could work out this deal with the school district and say, look, your first priority is not to plow the parking lot that's closed. You're going to plow, help us plow the secondary streets nearby and then move the snow into the parking See, lot. Why don't we, why, why, why aren't you mayor, buddy? I'm happy to give ideas. put you in for like a year? I'm happy to give ideas. I mean, this, it well, drives this, me crazy. And this equipment, I looked into this, and everything is like this now after COVID with, with you know, acquiring materials and buying things. It's 18 to two years, 18 months to two years out to buy that's new right. Big greater equipment, big plows. It's it's you can't just go to the you know no. dealership and buy one. It's 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 a year and a half out. That's why if you think about not this coming winter, now we're moving into twenty four. You're thinking about twenty five. Yeah, absolutely. You should be buying it now. But yeah. everyone's afraid because what happens if we get too much? You can never have too much snow equipment. Now you may have a bad season, bad meaning good, meaning there's not much snow. Well, that's okay because when it does come. People want it removed in a winter city. Well, and what, 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 you know, we had this town hall we did on snow, and Bronson kept, Mayor Bronson kept talking about being prepared for the average. And I kept saying, that doesn't make sense because if you're prepared for the average, half the time right. you're unprepared. So you need to go above the average, I don't yeah. know, 20% it, it, or 30% it, it, above the average. Let's put it this way. If you're in school and you're getting 50% on your score on your <laughs> test, what happens, right? I mean, if you show up to work 50% of the time, what happens? You, you have to have an alternative plan for when you peak. Now, that may mean it's, that doesn't mean you have to have, and this is what they think about. See, they get in this mindset, well, I got to have all this employees sitting there doing nothing. No, no, no. It's the equipment that matters. The employees, if you pay them well and you get them on retainer, you can draw them in very quickly. Well, and I, I think I've heard that same thing, and there's always something to do. There's that is always, always something to do. I mean, whether it's summer or winter, there's always work I mean, to, be, to be done. Well, if you're not plowing roads, then you should be hauling. And if you're not hauling, then buy more um, sidewalk snow removal equipment because that's not expensive. And you put your CDL guys in that. Now, they may say, well, that's not our job class. Well, you work it with the unions. You know, they'll all work with you if it means their people are working. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Working, yeah. Yeah, and that's what they want to be. I mean, I had a guy doing work for me, union contractor doing window work and, you know, putting windows in and stuff, and they ran out of work because we were waiting for stuff. And I said, you want to do demolition of another project? And they said, well, sure. And we kept his people working. We paid him the union wages they were getting, and I kept him working. And the reason for that was he had a great crew. And what happens, as you know, if you don't have a job, then those crews go back into the hall and someone else takes them. And I said, we don't want mm -hmm. that. We want to keep this crew. So let's figure it out. And we figured it out. And it was to his advantage and to ours and, frankly, to the union's advantage because those guys are still paying dues, working, not sitting at the hall. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, I think, so the, you know, unions, a lot of people give them bad rap, but I mean, ultimately the, their job, their mission is to get people to work. Yeah. They, they, they got to fill that hall and they're going to be training people. They're going to get, and they'll work, you know, 
what what's great about I think these these operators of the union halls is they're they're trying to figure out okay what do you need what can we fill how do we make that happen and sometimes you know some unions will tell you they just can't get enough people okay that's okay but let's figure it are, out are you seeing that I mean I hear so many people I talk to just you know when they put up a job for post a job they might have in the past gotten five or ten applicants and now they're getting like one or yeah, none. Yeah, no, it, Are you it, seeing that? it's changing. I mean, it depends on the job class. I mean, we've never had a problem filling folks. We've had a little bit on some very technical, but generally we're getting people to work and we're, you know, we're treating well. People stay with us a long time. They like working for you're us. Mark, you're Mark Baggage. Well, doesn't when, matter. When, when, do I, the only, when do I start? The only thing they care about is what, how many Hamiltons they get, how many George Washingtons <laughs> they get, how many Jacksons they get. They don't care about me at the end of the day, to, trust me. Um, but, um, we, you know, we treat our employees well. We we work with them when they have situations, personal, you know, family things. We figure it out. We don't, you know, we're not hard. But if they don't have a skill set that we think they could it's, acquire, we help them. It's pretty amazing after the COVID thing how, how much it's changed with this. I mean, I have a lot of people I talk to who, you know, they, they work remote now 80% mm-hmm. of the time, 60% of the time. And, and the employer, some of them like it, some of them don't, but it's just totally changed how, well, how people yeah. think about work now. If any employer thinks they're going to keep eight hour workers, they're, they're mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, the newer generation, three, four, five, maybe six at tops in a day, maybe three, four in a row. And then they want time off. Okay. Work your schedule. Nothing wrong with that. But, but employers sometimes say, well, I need five out five days, eight hours a day, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, you'll get very few. We have flexible schedules. Guess what we get? All the employees. When we, we go out to hire, we get them. You know, you know, one thing I've seen though, with, with especially younger people, I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but, uh, the kind of gen, gen Z people yeah. is they won't work after five or on the week. I mean, they'll, they'll yeah, they have their the, the, time off. I've seen, I've even seen people send like a response. This is my like, I'm not working here. This is like my mental health time. I don't work after five or on the weekends. I, and to me, that's such a foreign, because I'm know. working all the time. If I have right. something has to get done, I, I do it. Well, here's one thing I did say. There, there are some that are, you know, beyond reality. You know, they <laughs> have their excuses or they don't show up or they come to work. So, you know, it's just too much for me to think about today. I got to go home. So, you know, <laughs> right. And, and, oh, you'd be amazed. In the retail business, especially. I mean, oh, between yeah. Deborah and I, we have, you know, 300 plus employees growing to about 450 by the end of this next wow, year. that many people. Huh? Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And so. So you've probably seen everything. We've seen it all. And, you know, I actually, and, and you could do this legally, but everyone, <laughs> Good people around me are advising me never do this. And it's the person who doesn't show up for the interview, right? They, oh yes, we'll be there. They never show up. I want to make a list, and I want to say, hey, these guys didn't show up. Employer, take a look. So if they are applying, they're not showing up. They're doing mm-hmm. that to get their three slots for the unemployment check. They're trying oh, to get that yeah, week, right? Or, right. Or they had a headache and they couldn't, you know, turn their key on the ignition after they went out partying the night before. I'm very cynical about these things, and so my view is, employers get very frustrated. So okay, let's help employers know. Yeah. How oh, to I sell, like that idea. Right? And it's actually, I, I talked to an HR lawyer one day, and I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a website. So he comes back and says, Yeah, you can do it. You know, you got to have certain parameters. I thought, okay, this is what the Anchorage Chamber should do. This is their job to help the, small business. Yeah, the, the, the no-show list. Yeah, the no-show list. They, you know, and suddenly guess what's going to show up? Certain people. Well, people are going to be worried about not showing, getting on the list. Yeah, because what's the first thing everyone tells you? Half the battle is what? 
showing up. I, I remember I've told I've told this story before. Um, I I saw some some video, some TikTok or some on Twitter about you know I I showed up to the job and they wanted me to work all these hours and they actually work. And, and, yeah, it was kind of. But I remember very vividly when I was sixteen. It's like you know, Dumb and Dumber. It's like there's not one job in this entire town. Yeah, unless you want to work forty hours a week, you could do there. There, there there's work here to be done. But I went to this job interview uh, when I was sixteen at this pizza place where I grew up called Venezia's Pizzeria, and uh, I wanted to be a delivery, you know, pizza delivery driver yeah, and kind yeah. of wash dishes. And the guy, these two kind of real Italian brothers from the East Coast, probably had some <laughs> troubles when they were younger and came out to New Mexico. And the guy is interviewing me, and he's like, uh, you know, we want to hire you. Everything seems good. And he goes, is there any days you can't work? And I said, uh, Monday night. And he said, why not? And I said, Monday night football's on. My friends and I watch Monday night football. And he goes, do you want a job, or do you want to fucking watch football? <laughs> and I said, because I, I, that's busy for them, right, Monday right. night. So I yeah. said, because they're delivering pizzas yes. to the football game people. <laughs> so I said, I'd like a job. And he goes, okay, well, you're working Monday. But, but it, I'll never forget that, yeah. where... You know, it's not about me. It's it's about if I want to work for him, yeah. I can't be, you know, yeah, if you want to If you want to have a different schedule, then go open your own pizza place, <laughs> yeah. right? It's an interesting dynamic. I, I will tell you, I'm sure when some of my friends hear this, they'll go, you know, you got to give people space and all that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But they also have to work. And, you know, if they want to make a living and not complain about life, they should participate in the workforce that we have here. And so I will see, but uh, yeah. Last thing, I know you got to leave soon, but yeah, no I, wanted, I wanted to ask you about the, um, you mentioned downtown and, and obviously homelessness has been a huge yeah. topic this year and um, it just seems to keep getting, you know, worse and it's been a big topic on the assembly and, you know, the yeah. mayor's brought it up, but, but, you know, the Sullivan clothes and there was this third Avenue thing that I went to this summer and it was like, oh, it, was awful. it was, I read Mad your Max, piece on that. Yeah. You know, level. So, you know, what, what, are what we do just, you do? What are we going to do here? Well, there's multiple things you should do. And um, I, I do think the assembly and the mayor, and I say that to the assembly to a certain extent, I mean, the mayor on one hand proposed a navigator center that was portrayed to be a thousand you know, people. Mm -hmm. well, I, I don't care what mindset you're in. That's never, ever, ever going to happen. Thousand people in one location. That's the worst ideas you can come up with. I was and, at the Sullivan. I stayed the night at the Sullivan a couple of years ago, and that was like hell. That's right. The assembly then putting an arbitrary number of 150 or 175 has no scientific basis, right? So you had these two extreme views. They all agreed that a navigator center was important, and the mayor's idea to do that didn't make, you know, it made sense. You got to have a place they kind of funnel through and distribute because here's what happens. Some people... Uh, who believe all you do is provide them a house and everything's going to be great. That's not right. Well, that's but, the housing first model. And, and but that's, that's not, a failure when people are drug addicted or that's alcoholics. Right. You need services that attach to it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, then you end up with some secondary problems and challenges. So what you have to do, you have to have a navigator. And it could be two or three locations too. So you don't have these big volumes of people. Second, you have to be able to provide the services at different levels. For example, if you just coming out, say you've been living on the street for 10 years, well, the odds of your ability to live in a new you know, apartment and everything is going to be minimal because you don't have all the skill sets. It's just, that's, that's a fact. We see it every day. You know, we, Aviator runs 270 people every night. It's a massive operation. You know, the guest house, Barrett, Lakeshore, I think between them, there's three, 400. So we, we see this all the time, and, and there are different levels. So 
Some need immediate. Right away, get them in some place. And second, you need to provide some sort of triage when it comes to healthcare delivery system, maybe mental, substance abuse, whatever it is. Because when they come in, they could potentially be able to live on their own, but maybe they have some issues that they just can't get well, there. Well, I learned the craziest thing, that API in the 90s had like 200 beds. Yeah. And now it's down to a few dozen. Well, because people will tell you it had a bad rap at a certain point. Now, that doesn't mean the idea, like there are people, and I when I say this, I'm going to tell you right now, Jeff, people, my friends, people you know are going to be upset what I'm about to say. There are people who cannot take care of themselves or harm to themselves or others. And they need to be put in a location that is a lockdown. And I'm not saying institutionalize them because I used to be the president of the board of assets, the hardest folks that had, were institutionalized for a long time, but they are now, we, we work with them. We had one-to-one care. They worked in businesses. They did things. But you have to have a place that gives them security for themselves and for others that they just can't walk well, in and out of. And if, that's the percentage of the population. Even Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, has come out and said, it's time we have to be able to start putting people, I think he even said institutionalized, because it's what happens is it's yeah. people, that they harm, they're, they're danger and harm to themselves. And others. But also also others. Right. And, you know, we, we've kind of gone from, I read that book, San Francisco, by mm-hmm. Michael Schellenberger, and it talks about a lot of this deinstitutionalization the in the 70s and, you know, they, they kind of blame Ronald Reagan when he was governor of, of New York, of uh, California. California. It was like, yeah. it was p- passed in the assembly, the legislature, like 90%. It was, it was yeah. overwhelming. Everyone agreed with Everybody that. was doing that. Yeah. And so you went from one extreme, forced institutionalization, right. to the other extreme, right. where people are just kind of, you see it. I mean, I see it. How many times have you seen somebody outside well, screaming or hitting themselves? Well, people and, have come into Kobuk, assaulted her employees. You know, yeah, it's, and and it's, it's not, really unfair for everybody. It is, and it's not, and it's a small percentage, but it's enough that you have to. And I and I stay away from the word institutionalized because it has a bad connotation. Yeah. But it really is a different kind of setting where, yes, you're going to be treated with dignity. Yes, you're going to have your own room. You're going to have a bathroom. You're going to have facilities and food and and medical services and other things. But you're not allowed out because. You until you can prove yourself to be in such a situation. Sometimes these folks get off their meds so and was, they have no way to manage it because there's no care person to assist them. And anyone that thinks that we're going to solve this problem by just get in my house and it's all going to work out, that you got multiple things. The last thing I'll say about the homeless, there is a two other groups. There's some predators that prey on these folks. Hundred percent. And I've those seen, folks, I've seen that. I've seen that. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a hard on this, I would take them off the street. And people say, well, we don't have rooms in the prison. Well, good. You know what they're going to do? They're going to clean up every homeless camp. They're going to go out and shovel the sidewalks near the bus stations that are packed full of snow. They're going to do something, but they're not going to be predators anymore. Mm-hmm. And then there's a group, a couple groups of these young people that kind of hang out downtown. They have places to go when they sleep, but they have, they're not homeless. They're just kind of go downtown and hang out. And some of them, because I've encountered them in town square, I've encountered them because I'm not bashful about going right up to them. Um, And we got to deal with that because these two groups take advantage of the situations of homeless that may not be capable of taking care of themselves, but living on the street. So it's a multifaceted, but the thing that has to happen, you know, uh, the city, and I say that in the state, mental health trust also, who I don't think has done enough, 
They'll complain. I'm sure I'll get a call. Well, um, I mean, but they need to step up. $250 million. They have millions of acres of land. And that was their purpose when they were set up. I wonder sometimes what are they, I agree with you, what are they What are they doing right. with all this money? And it's kind of a shadow budget. I mean, the legislature just kind of rubber stamps it. That's right. And and nobody really, I mean, I, I it's always, every year, I've, I've been down there five years, it's like the budget debate, they, they, they all why fight over budget, the operating budget. Why doesn't budget and audit do the other half of them? They, audit. They, they finally pass the budget. Every This happens every single year. And it's like it's like the big fight. Everybody's like, oh my God, is it going to pass? Dividend, blah, blah. And then they go, Oh, uh, and the mental health budget. One time they even forgot to do it and they had to come back. And they and they passed it in like in like two minutes. Yeah. yeah. It just bam, done. Yeah, House, Senate, They're boom. done. Yeah, I, I, the issue of homeless and, and, you know, frankly, the issues we've just talked about in the mayor's race this year, it's going to be snow removal, homeless, public safety, and then taxes. Anyone who thinks it's some other stuff, they ain't paying attention. This is what's going to matter yeah. to people in this world we live in today. Last thing I'll ask, I know you got to run. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the mayoral race coming up. You haven't endorsed anybody. You right. are, you are, did you already do your form or you're doing 17th, a form? 17th, 18th of this month, we're working on it. We're just waiting to confirm one more person. Then once that's confirmed, everyone's uh, confirmed except one that's just checking on the calendar. I went back and checked, and, and you, your second term, Sullivan's second term, and Berkowitz's second term, you all just won outright. On the first run. On the first, yeah, on, yeah. The, on the second term. Yeah. Um, now, I think it's not controversial to say there's no way Bronson's going to get 45% um, in the but first I, I round. Do, I do get to say that I actually won on both races first time. Did you get the, oh, okay, I just checked the, I just checked the second. I, I'll never forget, 45.17%. 45 was the threshold. Right, because, yeah, because there was a, because Berkowitz, Berkowitz a had a runoff the yep. first time. Sullivan had a. I think Sullivan had a runoff, didn't yep. he, with, um, with Honeman, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, Sullivan had a runoff. But, but I, I just think there's, you know, with LaFrance in the race, and then you got Tuck, and you got Pop. Oh, they're just, going to a runoff. I just think there's no way there's not going to be a runoff. Right. The question, and I think most people probably assume it's going to be LaFrance and, and Bronson. But Today. I mean, these, these things, you're, you, we yeah. talked about this a few weeks ago, <laughs> so, something can change. Some oh, yeah. event T- can occur, right? Today, that's the numbers, but I will tell you, when you look at the numbers, you know, Chris Tuck is the least known. Bill Pop is the second least. Then Suzanne. Then, of course, the mayor is most known. When those bottom two start getting more known, then it becomes more competitive mm-hmm. on that side. Then the question is, who makes the move, right? Who does something that, you know, because what people are, you know, the people who are not voting for Bronson are looking for an alternative that does exactly what we've been talking about, right? I want my streets plowed. I don't care who you are, plow my streets. I don't care about... You know, how, what your solution is homeless as long as you solve this problem, right? They, they have in their mindset. And the voters today, voters who voted for Bronson could switch tomorrow. Voters who voted for, you know, pick any candidate, you know, last time, uh, and they switch again. They just move because they're looking for that moment of, I'm, I believe you'll do it. I'm for you. I'm voting for well, it. Well, I mean, it's coming up quick. The ballots go out in March. The, the ballots go out in less well, than three months. The filing deadline is January 15th starts. So the clock is a ticking in about two weeks, three weeks, yeah. and then you got two weeks, I guess, to sign up, and then you got another. So, two do you weeks. have any predictions on the? the I know it's, you know, uh, going to be a. I think um, if the race was today, the data tells you it is um, Bronson of France, but that's today. You know, everyone's happy. It's holiday season. You know, parties and Christmas, the campaigns, and New really Year's. They haven't really got off the ground yet. Yeah. No, and they really haven't. Um, you know, you have this anti group out there, anti Bronson, but nine hundred seven group, nine hundred seven yeah. group. But you don't have the engagement, right? Because there are people who 
believe about certain people, but then when you hear them, suddenly they go, ooh, you know, look, you see the presidential race, right? Yeah. It was a big list, and people started hearing, like DeSantis, they said, well, now they're not so hot on DeSantis. I mean, I've said this so many times. <laughs> I, I love DeSantis as governor. I've been to yeah. Florida many times. He's just not a good presidential candidate. It's, it's kind of weird. It's he's awful. Awkward. Well, he's like Jeb Bush. Remember, people mm-hmm. said, oh, Jeb's going to be yep. the... And then you hear him, you go, what? What is this guy? And that's because the difference is you got a resume, piece of paper, right? People, oh, look at all this great stuff he's done. Then you have the verbal. Then you have the verbal with visual. Yeah. Now you're seeing how people react to you. And you're a poker player. I'm a poker player. Matter of fact, there's this thing on the news today that finally corporate America's figuring it out that they're giving training on how to be a poker player. Why? Because it teaches you about people and mm-hmm. patience and all kinds of things, right? And so what happens when you get into now you see the candidates, now you hear the candidates at the same time, and you suddenly don't even remember their resume. Now you're looking at them going, okay, I don't know what he just said, or I don't trust that person. May they be the best resume candidate, but you hear them and you go, ooh. My, my, my buddy Ashley Reed, lobbyist, told me oh, something yeah. I'll never forget. He, 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 goes, he goes, people very rarely remember what you said. Oh, it's absolutely They true. remember how? how you made them feel. Yeah. Seventy five percent. How they made you feel? Yeah, there's a uh, some Which is research. So true. Yeah, there's research on this that I think it's seventy five percent or whatever. You know, people. I love it when I get documents from people say, "Look at this speech I'm going to give." And I look at it. Oh, you know, seems a lot complicated to me. And then, but it's good content, right? And they get up there and you watch them, and you just want to bang your head against the wall. I had executives when I was mayor, and they'd go public testify. You know, long careers and so forth, and they'd testify on a budget or something, and I. <laughs> There was more than once I'd go, and I'd go, okay, you're not doing that ever again. I said, your information was 100% right, 100% right, but they didn't believe you. Yeah, not no, be- it's, it's not you, what they say. It's, it's, it's how they make you feel. Yeah, and if you walk away going, you know, I, I, you know, blah, 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 and then you say, well, what do you think about them? And they go, well, I love the guy. And then you say, what about these three policies? I don't know about that. Well, that's what he's talked about. Yeah, but, man, he was really. Well, I mean, that's a lot of that's <laughs> due to leadership. I mean, you know, people – Pick leaders, and, yeah. they, and it's it's they trust you to be the leader. Leadership. And, and, I, I just had this conversation with some because we were talking about a lot of elected officials, and I said leadership. It's a leadership of perception. Mm-hmm. Reality comes with it, but it's not the driver. In other words, if you can, you know, like if you were to ask me when I was mayor, in my first three months, you're going to do what? Build a convention center? I said, yeah, absolutely. We're doing it. I didn't know how I was actually going to do it. I didn't know how we were going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to get the voters to support it. I, I had none of that. But did I believe it was the right idea? You bet. And then I went out there and worked it. And people bought into well, it. Well, uh, so much of it, I think, and this is what I think we lack on the, the city level and the statewide level is a vision. Yeah, there's, there's, there's really there's no vision. If you ask anybody, what's the vision? Yeah. Where I mean, do we want to be in 10 years from now? I don't I mean, know. I have my, I have a vision, but, yeah. but, but the people who are in charge don't articulate that. Yeah. And it's... It's like we're stuck in neutral. That's why, that, and, you know, downtown and you've, there's, and I give uh, Business Monthly a credit here. They did an article on what we're doing downtown. And it came out this month. Matter of fact, maybe Monday. And what we decided, and I say we collectively, myself, my partner and partners, and I said, you know, we're going to start redeveloping downtown. You know, why are we sitting around twiddling our thumbs and everyone complaining? Let's just do it, right? So... We're doing mixed use hotel. We're working with ACDA, the Anchorage Community Development Authority, to do parking arrangements and other things. Because our view is, if we can do that, 
it will inspire others to do yeah. other things because there's a void. And if you don't, you know, voids will feed on itself, meaning that it just goes spiraling in the wrong direction. So if you can switch it and say, here's what we're going to do. And if you'd asked me on the hotel when I first signed on the dotted line to get it, if you said, well, how, what is it going to be? How's it going to be? I said, I don't know. But you know what? That project in the run next door is between $60 million plus million investment. And if you would have asked me three years ago, do I have that money? No. I went out there and worked with people, inspired them, bankers, others, financials, investors. We're doing it because it is the right thing to do for downtown. It's a good business opportunity, and it's going to shape and reshape downtown. And you know what we'll do? I believe this. It will drive other people to say, hey, if he can do it, yeah. I can do it. Right? But but like you said, it's 75 plus percent of the time. You got to just believe it, put it out there, and people will come to you. And, and, and surround yourself with smart, good people. Well, and you see some, the people some, that I have. Some, some people, um, I, their biggest failures is they surround themselves with rubber stamp or yes men. That's or right. People that won't ever challenge. I, I wish I had yes people. If you see, you know the people that work with me, <laughs> they, they are, no. they're, they're not yes people to me at all. And But you know what? They're qualified, they're hardworking. They're dedicated. They have their own sphere of work they do in the community. And because of that, they bring this caliber of information that you put it all together and you come out with an end product. But, you know, they, they are tough. They, they don't mess around. And, but they're doers. Mm -hmm. But you're right. If you, you may be a great leader, but if you have a couple people around you that are just, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, and all they're doing is yes, sir, and yeah. The odds are you are going to fail in whatever you're doing. The smartest person, I've, I've said this a long time, for a long time, the smartest person in the room is the person who surrounds themselves with smarter people. Yeah. That's the smartest. <laughs> it's, it's not how much smart you are, it's people around you. Yeah, and you want them to be people that are willing to be motivated, inspired, and people who are not afraid to take a risk. Because you don't want people always coming to you and asking, you know, can I do this? Can yeah. I do that? Because then you look at them. I've done this. I looked at them and said, why did I hire you? I don't understand. You know, <laughs> and they get a little fearful look, but then they manage what they're going to bring. Right. But then they do stuff. But as a leader, like I, I just did this on, on uh, last week, I called folks on Friday. I do a lot of work with folks back in Washington, DC, and it might be a scheduler. It might be an assistant to some cabinet person or something, but I sent them all individual notes thanking them for the year and even ones that disagreed with me, you know, people that told me, no, that ain't happening. And they, you know, I wrote back and say, Hey, even though we disagree, I just appreciate you took the call. And that is part of what you do to create the team to get stuff done. But I'll tell you leaders today, you know, probably you and I could make the list of all the ones that have bad people around them. Oh, <laughs> and you just it's, scratch it's your head. Short, it's not a short list. No, it's becoming longer. And, and as a country, even in the national level, state level, local level, you're, you're looking to be inspired. Everyone is. Leaders are looking to be inspired because every day you get inspired, you're thinking of new things. And that's what I think. And the last thing I'll just say on the mayor's race, the best mayor is going to be the person when they, not the question of why you're running for mayor, but answers this question. If you don't win the mayor's election, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Because everyone has the canned answer why they're running. You know, they have their 30-second thing and blah, 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 and we love the world. We're going to do education. Not a, <laughs> but, right? But if, yeah. you, but if you lose, what are you going to do? 
It will tell you the difference. You and I could probably, again, name a lot of people who, when they lost their election, they vanished from the political scene. That means they weren't dedicated, in my personal opinion, and I know some will criticize this, that means they weren't dedicated to their community to make it better. Because public service, being elected, is only one lane. There are multiple lanes to participate in your community. But if you decide that lane is closed and you decide not to do any more, then were you just running to be a politician or you're running yeah, no, to do at something? Yeah, at that point, it's just a self, selfish thing. Yeah. So that's the question, you know, I'll, you know, for any of these candidates that are listening, when we do our forum, be ready for that that's question. A, yeah, maybe hopefully right? they listen to their, your podcast. Right. That's prepared. Yeah. Well, um, I'll end with this. Yeah. And, and I said that about how you don't remember what somebody says, but how they made you feel. And I always tell people this story, but in 2006, when I was working at Platinum Jacks, when I was bar backing there, and you came in, you were mayor, and I knew who you Visit were. Visit Anchorage had a big event. We came was, in tuxedos, I think. Very, very, all tuxedoed <laughs> up, and it was, it, was, it was like, I knew who you were, but you were like out of reach for somebody, you know, like I just moved here a couple of years, and, and I said, Mayor, you know, I said, oh my gosh, I said, hi, and you said, hey, I, you know, you introduce yourself, and then you said, you know, what can I do for you, if there's anything I can do? I mean, mm. you made me feel so special, and that was 18 years ago. A long time and, ago. And I think people yeah. should should note that it's always good to, you never know who you're going to meet. And, That's you know, right. Your impression of, and, and it might be, for, for you, it's not, no big, it's nothing, but for that person, it could be the highlight uh, of their week or their year, you know, your year. Uh, well, first, thanks for remembering that. I, I do remember that incident too, because I told the guys I was with uh, Jack. You guys came in with a bunch of people. Right. We, Jack Lewis with, with mm-hmm. me, with his wife, my wife, a couple other people. And I said, hey, let's go over to Platinum Jacks. Well, you know, the, 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 the event had ended and i said well i want to go out still and dance and enjoy life and it was so popping that night it was yeah, hopping it was, like, it was like a saturday night it was, was crazy i was working i was you know no, i was bartending was, i was literally bar back right it was packed take all the booze back and forth and fill the kegs and, and i think we surprised the door guy because we didn't even stop we just kept going straight <laughs> in and i think you know it's kind of like that thing where act like you're in charge and yeah, well, yes we, sir we were like all the bartenders were like the mayor packages here. oh my god because you know, it was like well, it was a club kind of atmosphere it was fun and i and i think um you're right. You never know who's going to be where in life. And those that discount people because maybe they're not in the same social circle or rank or whatever you come up with or your measurement, um, be careful because well, was, life is too short. I, and I just finished this book by David Bernhardt, who was Trump's sec- second oh, no, interior yeah, secretary. I work with him. Yeah. And he he um he wrote and part of I his can't book. wait till I tell him that you read his book. Yeah, and he came up here and spoke for uh, yeah, yeah. the yoga conference. Yes, and I, he did. He signed, signed. He was on the podcast. Signed yeah. a copy for me, but. In the book, he talks about when he was up for, he was, you know, solicitor under Bush, and then he right. came back, and he was deputy, and then he became secretary. And uh, during his confirmation hearing, some of the senators who probably didn't even vote for him or like him, they acknowledged, introduced, and, and talked to his family that was in the, you know, in the crowd. Right. And and he said, for the senator, it was it was like, they do these 100 times a year, but for the family, it was such a meaningful oh, huge, thing. huge, huge. You know, they might get, that's the only time in their life that's going to happen to them. Right. And, and they take the torture of someone who served in public office because, you know, not coming home on time, can't see the games the kids are in and whatever. So it was, it was kind of the same thing. You never know, you know, sometimes to you it might mean nothing, but to the person you have to think about how much it means to acknowledge or talk to somebody or show, show an interest or, you know, just have a conversation with somebody who might not, that's right. You know, just otherwise might just walk yeah, by. Never, f- never forget your place in this world is only temporary. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I, uh, last thing I'll say is I, I forget who it was, but I think it might've been Willikowski Willico- it was Willikowski or somebody, you know, maybe it wasn't him, but it was somebody ran for legislature. I'm trying to remember who it was, but, um, they called their, their member about some issue and they never got, and they never got back to him. They, they called the, and, and they said, you know, I'm going to run. 
and they ran and they and they beat them. Yeah. So you never know. You never, you never know. know. Looking over your shoulder and say, "Oh, I forgot to make that call." Yep. Boom. Boom. <laughs> now you're well, making the call saying, "My road isn't plowed. Can you take care of it?" Because <laughs> you're not in power. <laughs> well, Mayor Mayor Beckett, Senator Beckett, thanks for coming on. You're doing Thank a lot, you. and I love having you on the on the show. And you're always interesting to talk to, and always good conversations well thanks for what you're doing thanks for informing the public on lots of stuff and uh thank you for giving me the time doing my but doing my best well, well sessions coming up here in a few weeks so You'll that's be gonna busy. be a whole nother uh other deal well thanks again mark Beckett, for coming i really appreciate appreciate talking to you and happy new year you too yeah, folks if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one Let's